Good morning. Today's show is a rebroadcast of a previous What Would Kay Say? Good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I'm your host, Kay Edwards, and I'd like to just um, welcome you to the show today. But before we get started, I'm going to start with my housekeeping and my announcements. So as all of you know, COVID-19 has disrupted everyone's life and Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. We want you to know that we've been making every effort to ensure the health and well-being of not only our host and staff, but of the community at large as well. So we've closed both our studios and we've canceled all our live events. All the hosts are either doing pre-records from their home, or some of them are fortunate enough to be doing live shows as well, or they're picking out their best programs from previous shows and they're rebroadcasting them. We want you to know that we're here for you and that we are going to continue to bring you the best programming as we always have. So with that, I'd like to get on with the show. So now we're going to get into, oh, what I wanted to talk about today, which is habits. And are they controlling your life? Now, I want to start out reading Hebrews 11.6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, a, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I say that to say, if we're going to, we're going to have to use our faith in order to help us develop the good habits that we need in order to progress to the place where we're destined to be. So that's why I gave you Hebrews eleven six to start out with this. So now a habit which if you've been following me on my um, social feed, you know I've given you the meaning of this already, but I'll say it again for those who haven't. Habit is a noun, and it's an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has almost, until it has become almost involuntary. Let me say that again. A habit is a noun, and it's an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. Now, when you think about that definition, what is it that you find yourself doing that has now become a habit for you? Right? Now, when I think about that, I'm sure all of us would probably say right now, under the conditions that we're going, that constantly washing our hands has become just like this, this habit that we cannot stop doing. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like as if we didn't wash our hands before, because I know I used to wash my hands on a regular anyway, and I'm sure the majority of us did. But to the point where now I am constantly washing my hands, I always feel like no matter what I touch or after a certain amount of time, if I haven't washed them, my hands are dirty. I have to go wash them. I have to go wash it's become such a routine now that it's like, it seems like every hour I'm washing my hands. And now here I'm in the house. I don't go out of the house, but if I'm touching things or if I'm, if I start cleaning up something or if I start moving magazines or if I touch the remote or once I touch the remote and I go and I might move magazines and I'll go back to the remote then I'm like, Oh my gosh, my hands are filthy. I'm going to wash my hands again. Then I'm putting lotion on them because I'm constantly washing them. So I don't want them to get too dry. So I'm constantly putting lotion. on. So this has become a habit for me now. Wash your hands, put lotion on, wash your hands, put lotion on continuously. So now today I want to talk about how we can develop healthy habits that can help move us towards living our best life. And for the most part, habits form, like we said before, and you're not even aware of that they, that you have them. So like thinking about it, did you read your Bible this morning before you turned on the radio to listen to me? Did you have a snack last night, you know, before you ate your dinner or after you ate your dinner? And here's a classic. Did you check your text messages or your social media when you heard the ping of the notification on your phone? Now, each of those functions, they have nothing in common, but they're all done out of habit. And some of our habits were forced on us by our parents. Some of them were forced on us by our teachers and just society in general. Like when you think about it, um, we're taught that we have to get up early because when you go to school, the first thing you, you have to be there in school, crack a dawn. 
So you have to be to school at eight o'clock. So it teaches you, it makes you get into a rhythm of having to follow a certain pattern all the time over and over and over. It's not until you get older that you get to create your own schedule. But even with that, if you have a typical nine to five, because that's what we call it, most people work between those hours of nine and five. It's just of late that they've had other tours and other hours that people work. But for the most part, for a number of years, everyone fell into the category of working nine to five. That was just something that became habit to us because if you had a job, that's the hours you worked, whether you liked it or not. So habits drive our behavior, which in turn forms our character. And now see, no one wakes up one day and says, oh, wow, I had no idea I was so immoral, you know, or, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was so godly. You know, our characters are shaped by our choices and we navigate our choices by the decisions that we've been making over the course of our lives. When you think about it, right? Our decisions have been navigated because of the choices that we make and it's been coming over time. So that's how it, it has become a part of our character. So a person that tells the truth when they're speaking to people, they do that because they form that habit of telling the truth. And the opposite is also true. People who will lie at the drop of a hat, they form that habit because they're so conditioned to lying to people at the drop of a hat. So over time, the truth becomes ingrained in us and it becomes our character. So when people see you, they look at you as, oh, you're honest. Oh, you're trustworthy. And the opposite is true of a liar too. They've been doing it for so long, that habit became ingrained into their character so that when people see them, they look at them as being dishonest and untrustworthy. Habits play a major role in our spiritual lives, our spiritual growth, and our spiritual degeneration. Okay? So first, before we go into how the good, the bad, and the ugly, we're going to talk about how habits work. We form habits because our brains are looking for the easiest way to get something accomplished. God has wired our brains to handle simple tasks like breathing and walking without having to think about the fact that we're doing it. That is why our brain, that is so that our brain power can handle everything else that we have to do. So it's not like our brain thinks, Ooh, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out one leg, one leg, one leg, one. No, our brain doesn't do that. When we get up to walk, we just get up and start walking. When we breathe, we don't even think about breathing. The only time we think about breathing is when we can't breathe, right? And that was because he wanted our brains to be free to handle everything else that we had to deal with, other spiritual matters, other just cultural matters, just taking care of other life issues. He wanted our brain to be free to focus on those things, right? So now habits begin with a behavior pattern called a habit loop. And I don't know if any of you have heard of that before. It was new to me. I knew how habits form, but 
you know, every time you think about something, there is a, a technical term attached to it and there's always steps that go with it. So habits are formed from a pattern which is called a habit loop. And a habit loop consists of three parts. There's a cue or a trigger, there's a routine, and then there's a reward. Now the cue or trigger is the stimulus, which is the signal that tells your brain to go into the automatic mode and start the routine, which is the behavior. The final step of the loop is the reward. And the reward is an external or internal stimulus that satisfies your brain and it promotes the brain to remember the habit loop. So here it is. Let's just think about, okay, we'll use, for example, going to bed at night. Cause that's like the simplest thing. Cause mostly everybody does the same thing before they go to bed at night for the, for the most part. Right? So we think about when we're getting ready to go to bed, we, when we think about getting ready to go to bed, the cue is to our brain, we're getting ready to go to bed. So we take a shower and we brush our teeth. That's the routine. The feeling that we get after that and we get in the bed and we're comfortable is the positive response or the reward that we're giving our brain for those actions that we just did. So if you break that routine, like say you come in sometimes, and, oh, you're like, oh, I'm dead tired. You know what? I'm not taking a shower. I'm just going to brush my teeth real quick and I'm just getting in the bed, right? When you get in the bed, even though you're in the bed and you could probably fall off to sleep, but your brain is telling you, you know, you didn't take a shower. You know, you didn't take a shower. And it's because you broke the routine. So your brain starts sending you triggers that something is not right because you didn't do everything that you were supposed to do before you got into the bed, right? And the reason that why that happens is because habits satisfy a neurological craving that your brain has. Once you conditioned your brain to look for those certain actions, it's looking to complete that routine. So in order for your body to comfortably sleep in that bed, you got it. You should have showered, brush your teeth and then got in the bed because it's then telling your brain, yes, we feel good now because we've done everything we needed to do before we go to bed. Right? So it's just like another example. If you're accustomed to smoking a cigarette after a meal, right? As soon as you eat something, your brain is going to start looking for that cigarette because it's like, okay, we ate, we smoke, we ate, we smoke. And that's why it's so hard for some people to quit smoking because the brain has, especially if they're still doing the same function that gives it that cue to, okay, this is what comes next. Because if you always smoke, smoked a cigarette after you ate, then of course, anytime you eat something, your brain's going to say smoke a cigarette. But now if you only smoke a, if you only smoked a cigarette, say you only smoked a cigarette when you were drinking coffee and you weren't a coffee drinker. So whenever you cut out coffee, nine times out of 10, it would be easy for you to cut out cigarettes because your brain is only going to attach the cigarette with the whole coffee motion. So that's how you know when a habit is there, when it's like, 
your brain is looking for you to complete a task that you've already taught it it needed to complete. And it looks like I'm not going to be able to get through everything this week, but I'm going to go through as much as I can. And then we'll pick up the rest of this next week. But now that we've known what the functions of a, a habit are, how they work, the first thing we're going to talk about since we ended off with the note of cigarette smoking and bad habits, we're going to talk about how to break negative habits. And you know what? I think because the time is close, it's only like 12 minutes. I could rush through this, but I really wouldn't want to rush through this. I would want to take my time and really give it everything that we needed to talk about because these, the things that the steps that we need to go through when it comes to dealing with breaking negative, negative habits and the steps that we need to go through to form good habits. I really want to take my time with it. So I think I'm glad that we got through the fact of, we know how habits work and we know how they're formed in our brain because of a habit loop. And then next week we're going to continue with habits, how to break the negative ones, and how to form good ones, and also how to break sinful ones. Now, see, you would think that when I said negative, you would think sinful fell under that category as well, but it doesn't. A negative habit doesn't need to be sinful. Not all negative habits or bad habits that you feel you have are sinful. So those are two different things. So I think I am going to hold off. Next week, we're going to pick this up. We're going to continue with habits and we're going to discuss the negative, the good, and the sinful. So now we're going to go right into the show. And today we're going to continue with the topic that we started last week. That topic was habits. And we asked the question, what habits are controlling your life? So at the conclusion of last week, we ended talking about habits, how they work and how they are formed. So habits dictate how we behave and in turn, it forms our character. Our characters are shaped by our choices and by the decisions that we have made. So now I said that the word habit is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it becomes involuntary. So every habit starts with the behavior pattern called a habit loop. There are three parts to the habit loop. It's the cue, the routine, and the reward. The cue is the trigger, which is the signal to your brain. The routine is the behavior and the reward is the external or internal satisfaction that your brain receives for following through with the task. So if you're accustomed to having a cigarette after a meal, once you finish eating everything or anything, um, your brain starts to look for the completion of the task because it's accustomed to having a cigarette. So um, that's why it's so hard for people to stop smoking. So today we're going to begin with how do we break bad habits or how do we break negative habits? I don't want to call any habit bad. I just want to call it a negative one. Okay. So negative habits 
usually have negative effects on our lives, right? So, which is not the same as having a sinful habit, and we'll go into that later on in the show. But for this part, we're only gonna talk about the negative habits. So you must identify, the first thing you must do is identify what you consider to be a negative habit. This will vary from person to person because what might be negative to you, like staying up late, might not be negative to me because I do my best work when I stay up late because it's quiet, I don't have a lot of distractions, and I really don't have to get up early in the morning. Now that might be a bad habit for you if you have to get up early in the morning because then when it's time for you to get up, you're not able to function in your normal daily routines because you're tired. So what, what a bad habit to one may not be a bad habit to someone else. So once you identify what um, the problem, you list the problems, right, that you have in your life and then you try to recognize the pattern of behavior that might bring about these problems. So once you do that, then you can isolate the habit loop. Like you can understand why is it that you keep repeating this pattern that you can't seem to break. So once you isolate the pattern loop, the, the habit loop, that you look for the cues, you look for the routines that follow the cues, and then you look for the rewards that promoted the behavior in the first place. So we'll go back, to, we'll use cigarettes as an example again. So if you're accustomed to eating at a specific time during the day, change up the time of day that you eat or change up what you might be eating. Like if you eat at 12, eat at one or maybe eat at two because see your brain is gonna be used to, okay, 12 o'clock we eat, we usually sit around and talk afterwards and by 12.45 I'm having that cigarette. But if you break up that pattern your brain is not looking for it to come in that way. So it almost has to learn it all over again. So you vary the, what the cues and the triggers would be, although you're still doing the same routine because you're going to eat, but you're, you're staggering the times at when you eat it so that that trigger is not the same thing that your brain will look for as the cigarette being the reward in the end. Then you modify the content that promotes you to do the negative behavior. So when we have negative habits, it usually includes um, contextual elements. Like for example, we'll engage in a negative habit if we're bored, like eating, like snacking. Like I noticed that if I get bored, I wanna eat snacks. So that's one thing that I would have to change up, not, be, not associating eating snacks with being bored or if we're stressed or if we're hurt, or if we're procrastinating about not wanting to do something. That usually would promote us to have a negative behavior because we're trying to get out of whatever it is that we're feeling at the moment. So we replace the negative habit with a positive one. And when we do that, it's because we're trying to rid ourselves of the, the negative habit, and that could sometimes prove to be very difficult. So it's easier than trying to just totally eliminate the negative habit if we take something and replace it, replace something good with what was in the position of what we consider to be bad. So our brain becomes accustomed to doing the swap and that forces another new routine so that the brain doesn't look to wanna do the bad one, it'll now look to do the good one. And while we're trying to break these negative habits, it's not easy. Who can break a negative habit? What will, okay, first of all, 
when you get a habit, you have to go through the loop. So your body's accustomed to constantly doing it in that manner. So when you're trying to break it and you're trying to incorporate the good ones in now, it's going to be that much harder because your brain's going to constantly want to go back to the negative habit that it was accustomed to. So what we have to do, sometimes we need to seek support. Sometimes we need outside help in order to, to assist us in breaking these negative habits. And now I'm talking about the real serious negative habits. Like if you're a, if you have a drinking problem, you might want to enlist the help of an AA meeting. Or if you're a gambler, you might want to go to gamblers anonymous. Or if you're addicted to drugs, you might want to go to narcotics anonymous. If you have an eating disorder, they even have an anonymous for that too. It's called eating disorder anonymous. You know, there's, Right now, in today's world, people are suffering with so many different things that there's a group out there for everything. You just have to look for it. You will find the, your group that can help you weather through whatever it is that you need to try to get over or try to eliminate completely out of your life. And for the most part, what you really have to remember is do not get discouraged because you're not going to be successful right away. You have to think about it. Your body didn't learn to do that overnight. So you're not going to forget how to do it overnight. So what you have to remember is number one, these ham, these habits didn't form overnight. They, they started out as little routines that the brain picked up and it kept. So yes, they're going to be hard to break. And it will probably take several attempts to replace the negative habit with a good habit. But with trial and error, a bad habit can eventually be replaced with one that'll be beneficial for your life. All you have to do is put in the work and you see what, what works well for you and what doesn't work well for you. And you tweak it and you change it till you get it right. And you actually are eliminating the habit that you want to get rid of overall. So that's our view on negative habits. Okay. So now we're going to go into how do we form good habits? And we're going to take, um, a scripture from Proverbs four. So Proverbs four, four to six, and I'm reading from the NIV, take hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commandments and you will live, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. So in order to form good habits, we want to keep wisdom in our life and understanding, right? We want to keep it that everything we do is going to work for our better. So it starts again with the habit loop. All habits start with that habit loop. It's always going to be cue, routine, reward, cue, routine, reward. That's good or bad, good or negative habits, right? So we isolate the cue, identify what is the trigger, which tells your brain to begin the routine. And it, um, it'll state that most, okay, it's stated that most habitual cues fit into five categories. So now if you think about it, location, time, emotional state, 
other people and everything immediately preceding an action. So let's just say, for example, we're going to use, okay, we're going to, we want to start a good habit of doing early morning, early morning devotions, right? So now we think about location. So if it's an early morning devotion, that means nine times out of 10, it's going to be in our bedroom or someplace close to where, when we get up in the morning, right? So that's our location. If we figure about our time, you usually, if you're going to do your early morning devotion, you're going to do it prior to when you have to start getting ready to start your daily routine. So you say you set a time for yourself, maybe a half hour before you would normally get up in the morning, a half hour to 45 minutes before you normally get up your emotional state. Of course, you're going to be a little sleepy because you're just waking up. But as time goes on, you're going to know because your body is going to get accustomed to waking up at that time. So you're going to be looking forward to getting up to do this task. The other people in the picture, everyone in the house is asleep. So that's what your brain is telling. Okay, everybody in the house is asleep, so I can do this. And your action that immediately follows all those cues is that you will get up and you'll start doing your routine. So now here it is. Your cue is your alarm clock gets, goes off 45 minutes before you have to get up. You get up, you do your prayer or whatever, and then you start your reading because everything else is going in the daily time, in that same time in the morning, it's going to be the same. So your brain is going to take those triggers. Okay. I got to get up earlier. Okay. I see where I'm at. I'm in my bedroom or I get up and I go to a sitting room, wherever's more comfortable for me. I look at my location. It's, you know, I'm in my home, the people, everyone is sleeping around me. And then immediately following my brain, knowing all those cues, it knows, all right, we're going to start devotion. So that's when you either start your meditation, you start your praise and worship, you start reading, you pray, whatever it is that you do, that's going to start your daily devotion. So that's how you can start to say, if that was just an example of if you wanted to do early morning devotion, how you can get yourself accustomed to getting up and doing that. So now also with the cues, you want to also put into your brain a if, and then a then so that your brain knows, okay, because, okay, using the example of early morning devotion, if you don't like getting up early in the morning to begin with, you're not going to want to get up 45 minutes to a half hour earlier. That's just not going to be something that you're going to be looking forward to. So your brain is automatically going to have, I don't want to do this. So it's going to be harder to form a habit with that. But if you give it a if and then to deal with, even though you're lying there in your bed, you're like, oh, I don't want to get up right now. But if you say, you know what, if I get up right now and do it, then as soon as I'm done, I could have my first cup of coffee to start my day. So it's almost jumping your body into saying, jumping your brain into saying, okay, if we do this, then we can have that. So that's almost like the way you set up your reward for, um, for your brain. You do it with the if and the then. So you train your brain to learn this different behavior. So it's like, I'm giving my brain a goal and it's going to look forward to achieving that goal because it knows that once I do the goal, then I'm going to get something that's going to make me happy. So that's how you start to 
get your brain accustomed to um, developing good habits. Then secondly, you have to plan and evaluate. So just like negative habits are hard to break, good habits are hard to create. It's because it's not a habit yet. So you have to force the brain, like I said before, to remember the habit loop. And then that's the most difficult part of the process, especially if it's something that your brain is fighting against, like getting up early. If your brain is fighting against it, then it's not going to pick it up right away and it's not going to accept it. So that's why you have to keep giving it different triggers to make it understand that this is a good thing that's going on with it right now. But normally if it's, if it's a habit that, uh, let's see if sometimes some habits you don't have to force yourself to remember, because if you like doing it automatically, you're just going to do it. It's just something that you'll even remind yourself, Ooh, I forgot to do. And then you'll start doing it. And then that becomes a habit. Now that could be good or, or negative, good or bad. It just depends on what the habit is. But for the ones that you really want to say, you know, I really want to remember to do this. Like, okay. Like I said, with me, with the snacking, I want to remember not to eat snacks when I get bored. So now if I'm starting to feel bored, I'm going to have to force my brain to not think of get a donut, get potato chips. I'm going to have to force my brain to want to do something else other than let's do that. So I'm trying to, to get rid of a negative habit and also put in a good habit at the same time where that probably wasn't a good example because we were just talking about just how to pick up good habits overall. So maybe I should look at something like exercise because I eat snacks when I'm bored. If I now implement doing more exercise during the day, that's a good habit that I could enforce my brain to say, okay, let's do this. And I train my brain to do that while on the other side, I'm learning how to get rid of the negative habit, but I'm not using the exercise in place of, you see what I mean? I'm actually forming the good habit on its own, which would be the exercise, which would be beneficial to offset the snacks that I probably ate when I was bored, when I had the negative habit. So that's kind of like a, a good example of that. So like with all habits, like I said, it's the habit loop. You have the cue, you have the routine, and then you have the reward. So now we've gone over negative habits and we've gone over good habits. So now we also have a category of habits that are known as sinful habits. So now for the most part, if you're not saved and following Christ, anything that most people don't look at anything that they do as being sinful. Even if it is sinful, they're not going to put it in that category as being sinful because they're not following a certain protocol on how to live their life. But when you're a Christian, there are certain things that you know you should not be doing. You just know you should not be doing it. So those are the sinful habits that fall under that category. And now sinful habits usually include acts of temptation that will lead us away from God, right? So when you consider the sins that are most dominant in your life, you have to make an evaluation on whether this sin is deep rooted and persistent. Like you might have a sin that's not something that you do all the time. It just might be a little sin, 
well, there are no such things as a little sin, but we like to put them in categories. But in God's eyes, a sin is a sin is a sin. But as humans, we always want to categorize things just so it makes it easier for us to deal with. So now when it comes to sinful habits, we have to think about take one in your, and everyone that's a Christian knows what sins they commit. We'll use the one of, for this example, we'll use gossip. And when we use gossip, because we know we're not supposed to talk about other people, you know, we know we're not supposed to talk negatively about other people. So if we use that as being a sin, right? We have to acknowledge that that's a sin to us. That's one thing we have to do is tell our brain, we acknowledge that we've committed that sin. But not only did we acknowledge that we committed that sin, we're acknowledging that we committed that sin against God, right? Because you have to think of it in that regard because even though we know that he's all forgiving and we know that he's merciful, our spirit has to recognize that those actions of the gossiping was a hurtful act against him. That's why we want to acknowledge that we've committed a sin. Okay. So when you acknowledge that you've committed that sin, you allow yourself to feel the guilt, right? And you allow yourself to feel the guilt, not so that you could beat yourself up. Excuse me. Not that you want to beat yourself up because we all recognize that, you know, when we're guilty, it separates us from God. And it's not that we want to have a pity party either. We acknowledge the guilt so that we don't gloss over it. Like it's not a major, a a major act or it's not important. That's why we have to acknowledge the guilt because if you just say, Oh, well, I just talked about her and it was no big deal. She didn't know I was talking about it and nobody get hurt. I was no, because that almost is almost like as if you're telling yourself, all right, yeah, well I did it and it's no big deal, but that's not it. You have to really feel what it is that you did was wrong. So in acknowledging the guilt and you feel the weight of the guilt, it makes you want to repent because then if you're, if you feel really bad about what you did, then you want to repent for the sin that you've committed. And of course, you know, repentance means to feel sorry or remorse for something or to feel such regret for past conduct as to change your mind regarding it. So you have to feel that guilt in order to want to repent from it because you're trying to trigger the brain not to do that again, because you don't want to feel that guilt and that weight on you for, to repeat it again. So when we feel the the guilt and we want to repent, then we repent because we go then to seek the deliverance of whatever act it is that we're doing from God. Because at that point, it's him that's going to have to take that part of our character out of our name, you know, that, that part of us out, uh, out of our nature. We have to get that whatever act it is that we're committing out of the, our character so that we can then go on to live better lives and not keep doing the same acts over and over and over. So the next thing you have to do is consider the temperament that has made you feel that way to want to commit that sin. Meaning that 
is it is it your behavior or your attitude that's fueling this sin? Like, what is it that's happening in your life? What habits are happening in your life that makes you want to constantly keep acting like this? Or, you know, if it comes to, okay, we're going to use gossip again. If you're at, you know, do you gossip because you're arrogant? And when you get arrogant, it makes you get very prideful. So when you get prideful, it makes you be insensitive to others because you think you're better than them. So then you start gossiping about them because they're like, oh, well, who is she? Because she's not me. And see how one thing leads to the next one thing leads to the next without you even really thinking about it. But because you had that whole attitude that you're so good and everything you do is so good, it makes you get puffed up. And you're better than everybody. So it's easy for you to go and gossip about an individual. So you have to be mindful of the triggers that the sin raises in your life. What are the triggers that make that sin become a constant in your life? So if you're well accomplished, the first thing you have to remember is instead of looking at it as, oh, look what I did. Look what I got for myself. You have to remember that you didn't get there alone. It was all by the grace of God and the blessings of the Lord that allowed you to prosper and have what you have in the first place. So I know this is kind of hard for those of you who don't believe in God to think or feel that way, because a lot of times people who don't believe in a higher power will say, oh yeah, well, I did this on my own. You know, if it wasn't for my hard work and my efforts, I would have never gotten here. But everyone, whether you want to believe it or not, Everything that you've gotten in your life is a blessing and the blessing came from on high. So you could acknowledge it or not acknowledge it, but it doesn't change the fact of that's where it came from. So eventually you'll come around to realizing that that's what the truth is. But until you get there, I'm just going to continue with the whole conversation of just knowing that if you look at it in the sense of, you know what, I didn't get here on my own and if it wasn't for the grace of God and the blessings that I would not be in a position that I'm in. And I could just as easily be in a position of the person that I'm talking about. They could, they too can be in my position and I could just as easily be them. So you have to fight the urge to commit that sin, right? And that comes from what helps you fight that urge is when you remain humble, when you're forever grateful for the blessings that God has placed on your life. And you see how you could become a blessing to others. It makes you that who are, you know, less fortunate. It makes it that much easier for you not to puff yourself up. If you look at them and be there before the grace of God, go I, you know, so that would help you to start to break down, to not commit that sin. And then you look in expectation for God to speak peace to your soul concerning that sin. Before you exonerate yourself as, oh, I've, I'm over that. I no longer commit that sin. You have to have God speak to your heart concerning that sin. Let his word work through you in order for you to get rid of it. Don't convince yourself. You wait for God to convince you that he's totally pulled that out of you. Because when you convince yourself, you could 
very well started up all over again because you think here we go again you're in control so you're the one that's doing everything so you can stop and go and go whenever you want because everything revolves around you so you see how that cycle repeats itself over and over and over so the sinful act is actually a spirit that you're fighting with and it's actually a stronghold so and we all know there are forces of darkness just trying to keep you out of the light, right? We know this. There's forces of darkness that's constantly trying to fight against you and you being obedient to the light. So here I have 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 6 out of the NIV to explain to you the darkness for the dark forces that are fighting against you with the light, okay? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captivity, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So when you look at that scripture, those three scriptures, because I read 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 6, those three scriptures actually tell you how you're fighting against the sinful habits that you have within you and what the process is in order to get rid of them. So... That right there is a good explanation. You could go back and read it on your own. Like I said, it's 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 6. And now the best method of breaking sinful habits is to develop a routine of reading scriptures that meditate to your spirit when you're feeling discouraged about whatever act it is that you're, you know, committing. So when you find scriptures that speak to your heart to... Let's just say, um, like, okay, let's see. Uh, if we have a sin of, oh, okay. Say if we have a sin of say overeating. Okay. Say we have a, a, like me. Okay. We'll go back to me with the snacks again. If I'm constantly, constantly, constantly eating these snacks, eating these cakes, eating these donuts that makes me put on weight, the spirit, the the scripture that I would use to help me get over that act of being a glutton at that point would be my body is the temple and I have to preserve this temple in order for it to be the place where the Holy spirit dwells in order for me to fulfill my purpose. So if I do the scripture of my body is the temple, then I'm not going to want to take this temple and destroy it by eating all the sweets and the candies and the snacks that's going to make it not be healthy, not be able to function in the manner that it should and that the manner of why I was born. I want to remain healthy so that I could have strength to go out there and spread the gospel and give the word like he wants me to, which is my purpose. So you take scriptures that speak to your spirit that help you combat whatever it is, the sinful act that you're doing. And that's what helps you get over and break those sinful habits, right? So 
We must make a conscious effort to choose which habits we want to form and which ones we want to break. Both tasks play a key role in our journey towards our better life. So that right there wraps up everything when it comes to habits. Everything you wanted to know about them, how they're formed, how you could get rid of them, how you can make new ones, all of it. I hope you all enjoyed that rebroadcast of What Would Kay Say? I want to remind you that our word of the month is hope and our promise for today is coming from 1 Chronicles 16 and 8 from the New King James Version and it states, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Have a blessed week and I'll see you again, God willing, next week. Peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.